And now the transfiguration story from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 17. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Perhaps because we live in an era where every thought or every half thought that pops into someone's head comes out of his mouth, we expect God to be chatty. People are paid good money, including me, to yammer on about subjects that we find interesting. There are subscription radio and television channels, podcasts, talk FM stations, all designed to fill our ears with whatever the voice on the other end decides to put out there. I pray and study and work in hopes that for 15 minutes a week I might say something faithful to you or that God would rescue my efforts between when the words come out of my mouth and when they hit your ears. I cannot imagine trying to fill three hours a day, five days a week, and have that mean anything. And yet, whether meaningful or not, there are people who are tasked to do just that. It's possible that our culture's appetite for constant talk contributes to lower standards of accuracy and integrity. But I digress, yammering on as we do. And since that's how we do, we assume that that's how God does. Once again, we are guilty of seeking to make God in our image. But are we right? There's a story about St. Francis that he would go to a cave day after day and go in that cave seeking to hear God's voice. And at the end of the day, when he'd come out of the cave, Brother Leo would say to him, Well, what did God say to you today? And day after day, the response would be the same. Nothing. St. Francis would continue to go into this cave and continue to seek God's voice. Day after day, he'd be asked the same question. One day he came out, what did God say to you today? More, St. Francis said. 
God said to him, more. What did God mean by more? Did God want Francis to pursue God more? Did God want more of St. Francis' service? Did God simply want more time with Francis? I don't know. What I do know is that few of us will be patient enough to have returned to that cave day after day and hear silence and then keep going back. One quick prayer and we expect one good, voluminous response from God. But that's not typically what we get. Look at the Gospels. The voice from heaven is heard a full three times throughout the Gospels. The same two statements are made from heaven about in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then John gets his own special verse when God says he's glorified the Son and will do so again. And that is it. The first two of God's statements, those in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, come when Jesus rises from the waters of baptism. The voice of heaven says, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased, which sounds like a pretty good endorsement, but apparently it was not strong enough. You would think that if God said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased, People would hear, therefore, do what he does. Therefore, live as he lives. Therefore, listen to him. People don't always hear what you'd expect them to. Two people can hear the same presentation and come away with very different understandings. The other night, a group of us were together talking about our upcoming trip to Israel. As a way of introducing ourselves, I asked them, tell us the nearest you've been to Jerusalem. Now, most of us seem to hear that geographically. That's kind of how I meant it to be. And so we would name locations in the world that were closest to Jerusalem. But more than one person heard in that a spiritual question. What's the closest, nearest you've been to a holy place? They gave that response. Two very different interpretations of the same prompting. Sally can say to me, is everything together for our trip? And I'll go through a mental checklist. Car has fuel. I know the way to get there. Dog's been fed. We have a place to stay. I'm packed. I feel like a man who's done his job to prepare for his family's trip until she says, do you think the children would need something to wear too? One question, two interpretations. Not everyone heard in God's endorsement a command to listen to Jesus, so God's second and last audible word in the Gospels came during Jesus' transfiguration. Six days earlier, Jesus had said to the disciples that he would go to Jerusalem and he would suffer and he would die, and on the third day he would rise from the dead and that to follow him means they have to take up their crosses too. And now the next scene, he, James, 
John, Peter, up on a mountain, a bright cloud overshadows them, a voice speaks, this is my son, this is the beloved, with him I am well pleased, listen to him. God wasn't leaving it to interpretation this time. In both statements, God says Jesus is the beloved, and in both statements, he said he's well pleased with him, but here God makes it clear, listen to him. Between Jesus saying, I am headed to Jerusalem where I will suffer and I will die and I will be raised from the dead and you need to take up your crosses and then beginning that journey to the place where he would suffer and die and be raised and they would take up their crosses, God said, listen to him. Maybe there's an indication to us. The Gospels only give us three audible statements from God. Maybe there's an indication to us that God doesn't speak every time we ask. Maybe there's an indication that instead we're to listen, to give greater attention to the one who spoke on God's behalf. Maybe Jesus has already said much of what God needs to say. There's a movement in some Christian circles called people who call themselves red-letter Christians. Tony Campolo is a proponent of this movement. He recognizes that there's a lot of debate over how to interpret things like the violence in the Old Testament or, or some of the rituals and the laws, social customs. He knows that people have vastly different understandings and interpretations about what Paul had to say and, and how to take those comments. So in hopes of building some unity among the Christian body and of helping the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven, he suggests that we start with the red letters of the Bible. Some of you may not have Bibles that have red letters in them. Some of you may not know you have Bibles that have red letters in them. The red letters in the Bible are those words that are attributed to Jesus. What Tony Campolo and others are saying is, how about we start by getting Jesus' words right? If we put our attention there, the other parts will start to fall into place. It's not a bad approach. Especially when God uses just a few words in the Bible, in the Gospels. And one of those is listen to him. And why would we listen to him? Because, God asserts, he's the son of God. Now that may not make a great impression on you. We're so affirming around here that you feel entitled to that title as well. We say, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. I'm a son of God. We're right to say that, but, but that's not how God meant it. God wasn't trying to raise Jesus' awareness of who he was, how he was. That was a specific term. Do you know who else was a son of God in the first century? Not Joe from down the street. Not Michelle from Sunday school. No, Rome's emperors called themselves sons of God. The Caesars of the day considered themselves to be sons of God. Augustus, Tiberius, 
Nero, Titus, Domitian, these were sons of God. By using the term, God was raising Jesus in the esteem of those who were around him and placing him squarely in conflict with the dominant force of the day. Nobody had to be told to listen to Caesar. Jesus' followers were told to listen to Jesus. And for those with ears to hear, those willing to understand, Jesus was saying something quite different than the dictates coming out of Rome. The peace he was offering was not the result of frightening people into submission. The power he claimed was not based on denying people basic human dignity. The kingdom of God over which he ruled was one of invitation, not of brutal force. The sons of God, Tiberius and Jesus, could not have been more different. But that didn't prevent Caesar's fear. It may well have raised it. You know the story. Caesar didn't like competition. Even when it came in the form of a poor man riding on a donkey. He didn't like another voice invading the airways, especially when that voice opposed his own. Caesar couldn't stand someone who talked so differently, attracting the attention of others. Which is why those who heard Jesus explain what was ahead of him what was ahead of them, the cross, should have realized that Jesus was right. For all the glory of transfiguration, the bright light and cloud and dazzling clothes and guests of honor, it's but weeks before Jesus would ascend another hill and the sky would grow black and Caesar would have appeared to have silenced the Son of God. That's a tale for another day. One we'll recall just six weeks from this Friday. We'll begin that our journey toward that dark day this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, the start of Lent. Lent, a season designed to help us be in a position to give God a greater hearing for whenever God chooses to speak. Lent, a season that would have us listen more closely to what Jesus has already said. A lot of voices out there saying a lot of things. The question for us to ponder today is to whom will we listen?